I want to tell you, uh, many of you know that we've been talking about this. You've heard a couple of people up here talking about that so far. 21 United. 21 United has been something that we here at Puget Sound Foursquare have done for several years. I mean, it outdates me being here for the pastor for 10 years for sure. Where we take 21 days at the beginning, sometime at the beginning of the year, and, and set aside some time to pray fast and read our Bibles together. I just think it's so important that we, we really begin to shoot out together in one common way uh, to be on the same page. What would happen if, I don't know, several hundred of us in the, in the same moment began to read, pray, and fast all the same things for 21 days? What could possibly change? I don't know, everything. I mean, you might be surprised. 21 United. Why, why 21 days? I, honestly, no spiritual thing about it. I could tell you some spiritual truth, but I, I'm loving with you. It's 21 days. It's three straight weeks. It's just a, a date on the calendar from a Sunday to a Sunday to a Sunday to a Sunday. And, and again, maybe you've not ever fasted before. Maybe you've never spent time like this as a church before. Maybe you're a guest with us for the first time. Can I tell you, man, I'm so glad you're here today. I got a funny feeling that God brought you here on purpose. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to join in with us and allow God to get to the bottom of some places in your life, and maybe even help you find some places of freedom. Amen? I'm going to unpack a little bit about what this reading, praying, fasting thing is, but as we begin our time together today, let's pray. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to come together with your people. You're so good. God, I ask that you help us to hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. 21 United, why do we take time to read, pray, and fast? I can tell you this. There's five reasons I believe that God wants us to really do this 21 United. The first of this is this. I think God wants us to reassess our walk with God. Number one, reassess your walk with God. It dawned on me in our, uh, as I have this little grandbaby now, who now is going to become sermon illustration fodder for the rest of her little life. But, but, but I can tell you this. That, you know, she is, uh, she can barely hold her head up. She eats and poops and cries, and that's about it, right? And, and then holds my heart like crazy. But really, she's not, she's not bringing in income into the family. She's not doing, because she's not ready for any of those kinds of things. She's not coloring things yet, but those things will come. I'm telling you this because there's, there's a point at which our relationship as adults to little children is, is a different stage because they can't do what it is that you as an adult can do. I think 21 United is important because I think every now and again we need to assess or reassess our relationship to God. Some of you are still dealing with God on the basis of being spiritual children when God wants you to begin to deal with him as a spiritual adult. In other words, some of us have been saying, yeah, God's grace covers that sin issue. Yeah, God's grace covers that thing. Yeah, God's grace covers that laziness or that moment of whatever. And no big deal. God's grace is so good when, in actuality, as a spiritual adult, God's saying, no more of that in your life. Stop doing that thing. And I think 21 United is a moment to reassess or kind of recalibrate your walk with God. To begin to ask him, God, where am I at with you spiritually? Is there a moment that I need to really begin to to wake up spiritually and be the spiritually mature person that I am and begin to walk out that differently perhaps than you did when you were a spiritual juvenile or spiritual infant where you you just kind of kept on taking in stuff and didn't really think about giving out stuff? Reassess your walk with God. Number two, I think it's important in 21 United that you identify a few things that need to die in us. 
that need to die in you. Maybe there are some sin habits or some patterns that need to change. Some things that just need to die in you. And for 21 days, you begin to say, hey God, what are those things in my life that need to die? Maybe there's some unforgiveness that you're hanging on to or some pride that you're living in. Or like I said, it's some habitual sin that you're hanging on to and giving yourself this excuse to walk in it, calling it God's grace. Maybe there's something that needs to die in you and 21 United is going to begin to bring that to the surface. Maybe there's also, number three, a place for us to have something come alive in you. Maybe there's a place in your life that God wants to wake up something in you spiritually. I'm going to ask us all to get on the same page, reading our Bibles and journaling together and and walking it through. In fact, I've created a a moment for you to see that. We'll all do it together. It'll be super self-explanatory. But maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never had a consistent devotional time and, and, and then there are several hundred people who are doing it with you. You know, by the way, why, one of the reasons I have everyone doing the same Bible reading at the same time, you know why? One thing, peer pressure. Peer, I think peer pressure was God's plan and the devil stole it. Uh, seriously, I think God's plan, what's going to happen is, is you're going to be reading your devotional and you're going to bump into someone else at Safeway or Fred Meyer and they're going to say, did you read today's reading? And you're going to go, Not yet. And then the following week, you're going to be at Fred Meyer. You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to be, you know, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to come ahead of time. I'm ready. Right? You know what's going to happen with spiritual pressure, with, with peer pressure? Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. You're going to find yourself just sharpening each other and realizing like, oh, oh, that's the normal Christian walk. See, maybe something comes to life in you that you've not allowed or made room in your life for, but I'm going to help create an atmosphere for that to take place. Number four that we would get clear direction for this coming year. I think it's important that you get a word for the year for your life. I think God has a word for our church that he's called us to sin, to love men didn't train people out for sure. But is there a specific word for you that God has? I think some specific direction. Maybe it's a sentence or a phrase or a scripture as Carissa was talking about this morning. But, but what's something in your life that's just specifically set aside for you? I said this last week in passing as Justin was preaching after he preached, but, but I'll tell you this, you realize that God is not interested in surprising you all the time. He actually wants you to know his will. God's plan is for you to acknowledge, know his will and know what the next right step is and to take that step. He wasn't trying to make this, um, th- this walk with him some big mystery that you're just supposed to walk around going like, I think I'm supposed to do that. Nope, nope, no that. Nope, nope, no that. I think he really wants you to be clear. And I think God wants to give you all a specific word for your life. He's already, I think he's, he's putting the beginnings of that word in my life right now. And I can't wait for it to evolve over 21 United and then I can share it with you. But there's a specific word he's placed in my heart and I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. And finally, number five, one of the reasons for 21 United, to make room in your life for breakthrough. To make room in your life for breakthrough. Just as Pastor Steve said when he got up here, that sometimes we need to do something just a little different in order for something different to take place. Some of you have been asking for breakthrough in your life, and maybe it's in the area of an addiction, or maybe it's in the area of some sort of a habit that you need to break. And you need breakthrough in your life, and you're trying to figure out, I mean, you've been trying harder, you've been, you've been setting up little boundaries in your world, you've been trying to do everything you can to get through this moment, but you've not been able to get past that area of your thought life, perhaps. And you need breakthrough. You need a place where you can finally say, God, I'm going to put that to death and to rest in my life I need breakthrough over this area. 
21 United can really be an opportunity for you to experience breakthrough like never before. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. 21 United. You know, perhaps you've grown tired of temptation chasing you all over the place. Perhaps you're tired of that addiction. Perhaps you're tired of that old habit with that comfortable place in your life. Perhaps you're even tired of kind of faking it with God. I mean, you can kind of keep people around you convinced that you got a spiritual thing going on inside of you, but you know, and God knows that you know that you know that God knows that you know that God knows that you know. And funny thing is, is that actually made sense to you. He knows. But maybe this is the season in your life when you say, I need something to help change so that I can be different. Amen? Amen. Hmm. Why fast? Why fasting? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you a couple things about fasting that are important. Sorry, my iPad's freaking out on me. People wonder why I preach with electronics, and I tell them, oh, because they work all the time. They're amazing. Not now. Why fast? Look at what it says in Romans. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 says this. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to its lustful desires. Don't let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, since you have been given new life, and use your whole body as a tool to do what's right for the glory of God. Why fast? Number two, to make room in your life for God to intervene in a particular area of your life. Ezra chapter 8 verse 23 says this, So we fasted and earnestly prayed that God would take care of us and that he would hear our prayer. Why would we fast? To recognize how far you've fallen from Jesus. Let me tell you this. This is what it says in Joel chapter 2 verse 12. It says, That's what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come to me with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing and your grief. Instead, tear your hearts. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, and he is easily, he's not easily angered. He's filled with kindness and is eager to not punish you. Let me tell you the real bottom line reason why I think fasting is important. The bottom line reason why fasting is important is really one thing. To pick a fight with your flesh. Fasting is all about one thing, in my opinion, is to pick a fight with your flesh. It's not about just changing your eating habits. It's not about trying to shed a few pounds or gain some self-control. The whole point of fasting is all about one thing, picking a fight with your flesh. Quite frankly, what are you trying to do is you're trying to pick a fight with the little two-year-old inside of each of our hearts. <laughs> you're the little two-year-old that says, mine, mine, no, me. Me, that whole, you know what I'm talking about, right? The one that you, you see in the mirror all the time that's not happy with how you look and you just get super angry about that. Let me tell you this, that little two-year-old still lives. And what fasting does is it brings it to the surface so that you can tell that part of you who the boss of you is. Oftentimes, our flesh becomes the boss of us. The real truth is, as Christians, he's supposed to be the boss of us. Because we're yielding our lives completely and submitting them to him. Most of us yield and submit our lives completely to our flesh. Amen or oh my or dear God or something, right? right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Picking a fight with your flesh. And here's the deal. If you don't pick a fight with your flesh, your flesh is going to pick a fight with you. Tweet that. 
You don't pick a fight with your flesh, your flesh is going to pick a fight with you. It'll always tell you, I need more, I need more, I need more. It's insatiable. It's this desire. It constantly says, it's not fair, you don't deserve that. How could she say that? I'm telling you what. All the, your flesh always is saying, it's never good, it's never fair enough. What fasting does is it, deci- it, it really, it takes that little person inside of you and says, I am the boss of you. He's the boss of me, rather. You're not the boss of me. Picking a fight with your flesh. So, so why food? Is it important to fast food? Yeah, some people fast food. I, I did have some people, and again, I'm going to get an email or text from somebody today. Let me tell you this, true fasting. People are like, Lance, true biblical fasting is only food. I can tell you this, um, yes, because they didn't have cell phones in the Bible, right? The internet wasn't there. I, I don't know, but I can tell you this. The whole point of fasting, if we get trapped into thinking that fasting was just about food, then we've missed some things. Truly, food is a big deal. And let me tell you this. You want to get to the bottom of your stuff really fast? Fast food, not fast food. <laughs> you got that too, didn't you? There you go. Well, we need to fast that, right? Fat, I said one time when I was preaching on fasting, I said, hey, our church, we're going to change the name of fasting to slowing, right? Because there ain't nothing fast about fasting, right? So just kidding. That was a dad joke. And you didn't even laugh. Hmm. Pick a fight with your flesh. By the way, the fastest way to get to the bottom of you is to fast. So what kind of fast am I calling you to? I'm not calling you to 21 days of a juice fast or 21 days of a Daniel fast. Some of you are wondering. I'm not even calling you to 21 days of uh, taking this out of your life or that out of your life. I'm calling you all to a place of literally saying to our flesh in some area, I'm not going to let you be the boss of me. I have staff uh, who are actually fasting. I have one guy who said, I'm fasting my phone at home. Remember when Pastor Justin got up here last week and preached and talked about his phone, convicted another member of my staff. I loved it. And it was this moment. He said, he said, I find myself at home on my phone too much. So here's what his fast is. He's going to go home and he's going to plug his phone, cord, phone into his cord by his bed. The cord is this long. He said, my fast is leaving my phone plugged in while I'm at home. He said, I can still go check my text if I want to, but I got to sit on the corner of my bed to do it. Come on. So that means I can't take you to the bathroom? Uh-uh. He's invoking. Don't tell me you don't bring your phone into the bathroom. Come on, I've seen all of you. Right? So all I have to say is the grossest thing. But anyway, nevertheless, I can tell you, right, that, that whole idea of fasting, right, whatever it's going to take to get to the bottom of your flesh and to rattle it up a little bit. Some people are, I'm going to choose to fast two meals a day, so pray for me. Some of you are going to, listen, if you're going to fast all the way, a full-on fast, I hope that you've talked to your doctor by now. Here's all I'm going to ask you about choosing a fast. I talked to somebody today who said they're going to be fasting tobacco in their lives or fasting this. Let me tell you this. If there's a faster way to get to your flesh, I don't know what it is. So you got to pick something in your life. I want everyone who calls this church home or who actually showed up here today to join us in 21 days of fasting in some area of your life. Here's all I request of you is that once you decide whatever it is you're going to fast, you tell two people who are more spiritual than you what you're doing. Come on. You know those people. Call them up, email them, text them. Someone. They don't even have to be at our church. Just tell two people who are more spiritual. What do I mean by that? Someone who reads their Bible more and prays longer than you do. And just tell them what you're fasting. Why? I want accountability for you, and I want safety and care for you. Right? Because I want. here's what I want. Why somebody who's more spiritual? Because they're going to text you back next Monday when you don't want them to. If they think you're the more spiritual one, they ain't going to call you on nothing. Right? I, why do I want that? I want to invoke this thing. I want to help you fight your flesh. 
Come on. I just stood up here and told several hundred of you what I'm doing. Come on. Someone, you got to tell somebody in your life, right? Amen. Some of you are not sure if you're happy with this. 21 United, reading, praying, fasting. Why read, pray, fast? Let me tell you this, something I want to do or have. Read, pray, fast, read. I, I've, we've created this thing called a 21 United journal. We're going to hand these out to you after church. And what they are literally is every single day, there's something in here for you to do. There's scriptures, you look them up. And look them up here, and you write in the blanks. Just, I mean, it's too small to read from there, but you can kind of see, right? It literally is, there's a scripture, and you follow through. There's some Latin words. We do a, a thing here called uh, Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina. It's literally just an older, middle age. It's back in the Middle Ages that was developed by some monks who wrote this. It's just about how to meditate God's word. It literally is about reading less scripture several times over that you meditate on it, and then you write in the fill in the blanks, Right? And again, I want you all to do it the same scriptures at the same time. What if you've already started a new one year through the Bible thing on January 1st? Good for you. Keep on going. It wouldn't hurt you to have a little extra, but, but I want to do this together as a church for 21 days. Amen? Now, you can also do this. You could buy one of these journals that say Puget Sound Foursquare Church. Same thing, right? This one lasts 21 days. This one lasts six months, right? This one free. This one 13 bucks. 12 bucks, right? So, so free, 12 bucks. You can decide. Uh, think about this one. It says, it, this has, again, it let, goes a little bit longer, uh, sits a little bit flatter, a little bit bigger font. I don't know. But I mean, just go through. Um, I love this. I, I, these are, I'm, I had my staff. They, they've been doing this now for several months. So I bought them all journals and made them all do this thing because I pay them. And I tell them they all had to. So, so, so they've all been doing this and, and they love it. And, and so it's been a good part of what we're doing. So please uh, we only have a few of these. I think we have 50 or 60 of these or whatever. So uh, these are going to go out fast. Force us to buy more cases of them. We'll do that. But I wanted to make sure that you're doing that. At very least, pick up this one, 21 days, right? And, and, to, and let me go a little further. Gina, can you come up here? So Gina is one of our children's pastors. I asked her to come and share just a little bit about what's going on in our children's church at the same time. So our elementary teachers are going over this today. We basically, we took this 21 United, uh, the adults version, and we made it into a kid's version. Uh, we just basically rewrote it. Kari made it beautiful. Um, it's basically shortened. It's more simplified. Um, there's easier reading to it. There's specific questions. Um, but I just want to encourage you as a parent, you are the most influential person that your child will have around them. Which so it's not their kid's pastor? No, it's not their kid's pastor. It's not their teachers here. Uh, you are the greatest influencer, and so if you want your kids to know the Lord and to know how to hear from him, not only do you need to be practicing it, but you need to be showing them how. This is a great tool. It's not long. It's not going to take a ton of time out of your day. It could take you maybe 20 minutes after dinner, or if you're a morning family that has a slow morning, do it in the morning, or if it's a before bed thing, I encourage you to just write a post-it note, stick it somewhere to remind yourself if you don't make the time for this, it's just not going to happen. But if you do make the time for this, I guarantee you're going to be surprised at what your kids hear from the Lord on their own. So, Gina, the, the kids have, are doing the same scriptures that this one's happening, right? Yes, same scriptures. So, so as you've been doing this, part of our staff, you've been doing this. And what's your take on this, this Lexio Divina thing? I think it's great. It's, uh, what's great is that it can take you, you know, 
10 minutes or it can take you an hour. What, however much time you have, especially as a mom who I don't know when my kids are going to wake up in the morning. I don't know when, when somebody's going to come crawling into my bed when I'm up doing my, you know, journaling in the morning. But what I do know is I can finish this and I can finish it in a time that works for my family. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Let me say thanks to Gina. It's awesome. <laughs> If you have your Bibles, open them up to um, the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. I got to level with you. I don't know if I've preached out of Lamentations uh, at all. I've, I've done a lot, of, a lot of preaching. Lamentations is not like the go-to. It's, it's kind of a book that's kind of sad. Air, <laughs> thus the name Lamentations. The word Lamentations simply means to lament or to cry out. Not cry out like woo-hoo, but cry out like the Seahawks losing. Lament, Right? So somebody I met in the bathroom this morning is just like, okay, I'm going to root for the saints. Who are you rooting for? <laughs> we got to switch teams now. I'm telling you, right? Laments. There's something about this, lamentation. So maybe you've never cracked it in your Bible or even looked it up on your phone, but pull it up. Lamentations. I'm going to start a series, a three-week series entitled Afterwords. Afterwords. What are afterwords? Most of you know what afterwords are. Afterwords are those things that you say based on the things that you've been thinking in the situation that you just left. <laughs> Say it again. Afterwards are those things that you end up saying to one another because of what you've just been thinking in that situation that you just left. All too often we find ourselves, for instance, you're going to leave church today, and you're going to go home, and you're going to talk to your spouse or whatever, whoever, and you're going to say like, you know, that Lance was making some sense today, but those shoes, dear God, what was he thinking? Who knows, right? All of you just looked at my feet. It's funny. <laughs> Some of you are going to say that. You're going to be like, uh, you know what? I, you know, this week I went to the mommies with Little's group and it was really great. But that lady's kid, I'm telling you, is so out of control. Come on. Or, or maybe you're going to have these moments of afterwards when, when you have this conversation after watching the, the nightly news. And you say, you know what, honey? How come God doesn't show up and just fix this crazy mess? See, afterwards are those things you say after you've experienced something and had thoughts about it. See, I'm not so convinced our afterwards are usually that great. Oftentimes our afterwards become kind of gripes and gossip and not really healthy things. Afterwards. Hmm. Afterwards can be a little snarky at times. Snarky, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Afterwards are those things that you say, perhaps it'll go a little like this. Man, it was great having your mom with us for Christmas. It was really fun listening to her nonstop talking. It was really refreshing for two weeks right? Those are afterwards. Afterwards, I just love it when your dogs gnaw on my coffee table, right? Afterwards. Sometimes we have these afterwards and they get in the middle of things and they end up messing up. You know what afterwards are supposed to be for? I think God designed us really clearly. Afterwards are supposed to be things that motivate us to prayer. And what happens is our afterwards become things that we use to gripe about or gossip with. When afterwards you're supposed to be this Holy Spirit reminder of what you're to be covering someone else in prayer for. Because when you leave the mommies with little group for that girl that is losing her mind and out of control, our job really is to begin to pray for that family. And off too often, we just go home and begin to make fun or yuck it up or talk about. Afterwards, you're supposed to be those things that compel us to a level of spiritual maturity, that compel us to a place of saying, God, what do I need to do to help this situation? Afterwards, are supposed to be those things that go on inside of us that really push us for prayer and to the point when we can begin to hear God's heart on behalf of another. 
Lamentations. Let me give a little bit about Lamentations. Lamentations is a book that was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known in the Bible as the weeping prophet because of Lamentations. Jeremiah just finishes writing the book of Jeremiah, 53, 54 chapters, and now he's going to write this little teeny book of five chapters, just after the, the, the Apex book. You have to understand something about Jeremiah. Jeremiah spends 50-some chapters telling the children of Israel, get your hearts right with God. If you don't get your heart right with God, then the Babylonians or the enemy is going to come in and take us over. Guys, stop doing that thing and start doing this thing. Over and over, warning after warning, day after day, time after time, Jeremiah stood there telling them, guys, stop doing that thing. What happened was the children of Israel didn't listen. And so the Babylonians came in and they took them all away in exile and took all their, their people and their land and all the things. That's where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those guys all came from that scenario. Daniel and the lions didn't remember that. They all came from this Babylonian exile that were taken away. So left behind is this prophet named Jeremiah who begins to lament. Here's what really the book of Lamentations is. Five chapters of afterwards. Five chapters of him saying, if you just would have listened, if, if, if you just would have listened to what God said, and he begins to go through the grief and the pain and the sorrow and the, the, the literally the, the hardship of what happens to our lives when we don't listen to the word of God. And we don't do what the words of God are telling us. Lamentations isn't a depressing book when you stop and, and realize like, oh, it's just a collection. And you know, really, Lamentations, by the way, it's structure. The Lamentations, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 4 are all written, 22 verses. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. The 22 letter, letters of each of the verses in Hebrew are all beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Like A, A through Z would be, but it was, it was alpha through whatever. And, and, and all throughout the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet were all about that process, right? Chapter 3, every third verse changes letters to get 20, so you get 66 verses in that. Chapter 5 is kind of a summation of the whole deal. Uh, why do I tell you that? I, I set, began looking around saying, God, why do you care that you would make a lament, some sort of a, a quippy way of saying, hey, each verse we're going to start with a new letter, was the guy just kind of, was Jeremiah just kind of being funny? You know why Jeremiah wrote it in such a way like that? That it was kind of a poetry? Here's why. Because he wanted people to memorize it. He intended for people to memorize this, and you can memorize it easier when you have some sort of an A, B, C, D, E, F. You can memorize. Why was it so important that you remember the laments? So that it helps you not to go back and do those things that caused the, the lamentation to happen. He wants us to stop and see, like, without doing God's will his way, we end up with a crazy train wreck of a mess. Hmm. Let me go. Lamentations chapter 1, verse 1. Again, this is written in such a way that it's almost like a, it's talking about a bride and a groom, and the bride is Israel, or it's, it's Jerusalem. It's, it's God's bride, right, his church. This is Lamentations chapter 1, verse 1. Jerusalem streets were once bustling with people. They're now silent, like a widow broken with grief. She sits alone in her mourning. Once the queen of the nations, she is now a slave. She sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one left to help her. Her friends have betrayed her. They are now her enemies. Judah, or Jerusalem, has been led, astray into, has been led away into captivity, afflicted and enslaved. She lives among foreign nations and has no place for rest. 
Her enemies have chased her down, and she has nowhere to turn. The roads of Jerusalem are in mourning, no longer filled with crowds that are on their way to celebrate the temple's festivals. The city gates are silent. Her priests groan. Her young women are crying. How bitterly Jerusalem weeps. Her oppressors have become her masters and her enemies prosper for the Lord has punished Jerusalem for her many sins. Her children have been captured and taken away to distant lands and all the beauty and the majesty of Jerusalem are gone. Her princes are like starving deer searching for pasture too weak to run from the pursuing enemy. Jeremiah writes deep, deep sorrow. Deep, deep pain, deep, deep laments. Jeremiah writes this because he wants every reader from the time he wrote this until you and I in 2017 and beyond, 18, literally he's saying to us, I want you to begin to understand the pain of what happens in our life when we don't begin to walk out God's plan and purpose for us. As Jeremiah writes these laments, you can just read the pain. You can just read the hurt. You can just read like the, oh my gosh, what happened? Maybe you felt like that. Has that ever happened in your life? When every plan you had to do a certain thing a certain way, maybe it was your marriage. Maybe it was the job that you left to take on this one. Maybe it was something you gave financially and it all fell apart. Maybe it was something you supported or tried to be a part of. And that thing that you did, it all didn't go the way you thought it would. And you find yourself in a lamentation moment. See, maybe you're in your own life right now and you had promise and you had things and what you thought you were set out to do to be great ended up falling apart. Maybe you've been severely disappointed and you've experienced the hopelessness that Jeremiah experienced in Lamentations. See, maybe that's where you're at today and you're finding yourself in this place of hopelessness wondering how you're going to find hope again. How God would restore hope in your life. Maybe that's where you're at today and that's why you came to church or God brought you here because he wants to help you realize that there is a hopeful, a hopeful restoration to this process. I love the fact that Jeremiah's book of Lamentations literally is not just a see, you blew it, therefore that's all you get. Because really, in the grand scheme of life, the whole Babylonian exile, when they took them off to captivity and did all that stuff, you know what it really was, right? It was basically just a big divine spanking. What happened? The children of Israel got their land back. They got their flocks back. They got their people back. God began to restore and build them up again. Can I tell you this? That your night, your darkest night of the soul that you find yourself in right now, there is a day of hope a-coming. And when we begin to walk in that thing and begin to experience and expect it, then your, your, your skip returns to your step. The song begins to return to your heart. But you need to take some steps to get it there. Some of you have been hanging out in Lamentations for a long time. You've been just depressed and discouraged. Woe is me. If you're over 30, you understand you've been living Eeyore's life. Right? I don't know if under 30 they still read it. But you understand what I'm talking about, right? It'll never work. It's always going to fail. Don't try it anyway. Right? Some of you need a little Winnie the Pooh. Wow tough crowd. Hmm. Let me help you real quickly. How do you, how do you turn the ship around? Do you realize, can I tell you this? Do you realize it takes 10 to 11 miles in open ocean to turn an ocean liner around? 
you realize it takes 10 to 11 miles to turn an ocean liner in the ocean all the way around? 10 to 11 miles, that's a long ways, right? You know what happens if you try to turn an ocean liner too fast? Just grab the wheel and just turn it. You know what happens? You launch all the deck chairs off the top, right? People fly off. Things don't go well, right? The ocean liners take, take a long time to turn. Here's what I want to help you do. I want to help you realize that this hopeless lament that you might be living in today can change, but it's going to take a bit. It, it might take 21 days. It might take a little more than 21 days. But you're in the process of changing and getting hope restored. Let me tell you three things in your life right now that I believe God is showing us from Lamentations that I think he wants us to experience that will help turn the ship around. Number one, in order for us to turn the ship around in our lives, the first thing we need to do is acknowledge the truth about the truth. Acknowledge the truth about the truth. Lamentations 3.19 says this, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve our loss, as I grieve over my loss. I love this. Acknowledge the truth about the truth. I think it's important that we know the truth. Uh, Polly and I, uh, gosh, back in 2010, we were, our marriage, man, we're having a hard time in our marriage. And, And if you've been married for 10 seconds, you could have a hard time in marriage, right? Come on. We went to counseling, and it was one of the best things I've ever done. A couple things I learned about counseling. First of all, I'm a terrible counselor, right? And by the way, if you're a counselor at all, don't counsel your wife. It'll never work, right? So I'm a terrible counselor. And two, I realized that you have to come to counseling with this idea in mind that you need to own your own stuff, and they need to own their own stuff, right? Too many of us are codependent. We keep trying to fix the other person. That doesn't work, BT-dub. Right? Can I tell you, all you do is create a big, ugly mess, right? So we went to counseling, and, and my whole hope for this first, the first time part of our counseling, I was con- literally, this just sounds so arrogant and prideful, don't get mad at me, because you're just like me. But I remember going into counseling, thinking to myself, he's going to tell her all the things she's doing wrong. I know it. He's going to point out all her flaws, and trust me. So buckle up, sister. <laughs> it's coming, right? Little did I know, she had the same thought. She's just like, you know what? He's going to tell you everything you're doing wrong, you know? So we go walking in there, man, and we both just got a big bite of humble pie. Because he, he walks in, I walk into the office, and the first thing he says to me, he goes, you don't even know who she is. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, this is so arrogant. I said, I know her better than her mother knows it. He goes, huh, clearly you don't. Right, so and we've been married for 25 years. I mean, at that time, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we had to learn. Here's what I learned over 17 months of counseling every single week. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know who I was. And so here's what I learned in counseling. I need to learn how to keep my side of the street tidy before I start worrying about her side of the street. Come on. Do you take anything home today? Take that home, right? Keep your side of the street clean and don't worry about hers. Amen. (laughs) Or him. How about that? (laughs) Here we go. If we're going to turn the ship around, acknowledge the truth about the truth. Number two, if we're going to turn the ship around, dare to remember God. Lamentations 3.20 says this, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. I love this. It's so important that, that, that we remember God. I love when, when, the, when Jeremiah writes, I dare to remember God. I think some of us spend so much time blaming everything on God. God, if only you would have. God, if you really loved me then. God, if you should have, if you cared for me, you would have. All and all and all. And we begin spending so much time blaming God for all of our, our stuff. 
Can I tell you that the truth about, about the scenario is that really God is the only answer we have. We need to dare to remember the goodness of God. You know, that's why we sing songs over and over again here in our church before we preach. Sermon time, right? I, I want you to get these songs in your mind as you're driving down on Thursday afternoon to wherever it is you're going. I want you to break into song when you, you remember, oh, I know the words of that one. We sing it often. There's oftentimes people will come and say, we need to learn more new songs. And there's part of me that's like, we don't know the old ones. Right? I love it every now and again. I can't really say this to our, our tech guys, but when our, when our screens go blank and the song still gets sung, you know what it shows me? It's in your heart. I want them there, right? We dare to remember. I want you to remember the good things of God. Some of us don't know the good things of God because we've never spent enough time in his word to know them. That, that's why I want you to be a part of this reading together. I want some of you to read scriptures you've never read before. I want some of you to open your Bibles like you've never opened before. I'm doing something different this year in my, in my devotional reading. I, I'm, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a weirdo. I like to type everything up and write everything down in my, in my Evernote inside my, my iPad or my whatever it is, my computer. And, and I'm forcing myself to use pen and paper, right? I, it dawned on me as I'm writing with pen and paper, the reason I chose to go with computer. Because one, um, when you're writing with a pen, there's no little red squiggly line that says that was misspelled right? Come on. And for two, I write like a monkey, right? I'm thinking, hey, nobody's going to come back and reread this and be encouraged, right? So I have a feeling one day when I die, my kids are going to be like, I want your journals, dad. I'm thinking, okay. They're going to open it up and go like, huh, (laughs) I can't read it. Yeah. So dare to remember God. Some of us have to literally go back and remember the good things of God. Number three, and I'll be done. In order for us to turn the ship around, we need to speak to the afterwards. Speak to the afterwards. Jeremiah writes in Lamentations 3.24, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Literally speak to the afterwards. He wants us to begin to speak truth of of the truth, that I will remember him because my hope sits in him. We can't let the afterwards speak to us. In fact, I would even be so bold as to say this. I want you to speak out loud to the afterwards. Why is it that I would have you speak out loud to the discouragement that crosses your mind or the, uh, the, the, the downtrodden things that you see in the lives of others? Why say it out loud? Because I'll tell you what, the inside voice gets a lot of play. The outside voice needs to get more play. And you need to begin to say, I love that family. And that lady at the Mommies with Littles, she might need some help. She might be a single mommy who doesn't know whatever she, whatever. Or, or that Lance, we should buy him a new pair of shoes. He doesn't keep wearing those. What, speak to the afterwards. Come on. You get the point, right? I want you to begin to say out loud. Why would I have you speak it out loud versus just thinking right thoughts? Here's why. Simple truth. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. The loud voice is going to get the most attention. I want you to speak truth out to the afterwards that you have going on in your mind because the afterwards can deplete you. The afterwards can tear you down and tear others around you down. I want you to speak to the afterwards the truth. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. There is no enemy that's bigger than you. God, you are my provision. Lord, you are my strength and my song. You are the shepherd of my life. That was spoken this morning that, God, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You begin to speak to the afterwords that say you can't, you won't, and you'll never. 
That's how you begin to turn the ship around in your life. Now, we begin this journey this morning. Here's what I want you to do. I want to take just a minute as we close and pray. And as we pray together today, I'm going to invite you to spend just a minute thinking about God, thinking about what he would have you fast. Let me, can I just tell you something? Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Say that, let me say that again. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. You know what else is a spiritual discipline? Giving, serving, going to church, reading your Bible, praying. Those are spiritual disciplines. Can I tell you what you don't have to pray for? You don't have to pray if you should participate in this fast any more than you have to pray if God wants you to pray. You don't have to pray to ask God, should I read my Bible? It's a spiritual discipline. God didn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. There was an expectation that there'd be a spiritual discipline in all of our lives. So I'm going to ask you right now to decide something that you're supposed to fast right here. You don't need to pray if you're supposed to. I just want you to pray what you're supposed to. Amen? So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your words. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for your call as a church to lead us into a fast. This morning, I pray right now, as we just sit silently just for a few seconds, that you would speak clearly to our hearts what it is that we're supposed to fast. What I want you to do right now is I want you to just, just ask God, what's am I, what am I supposed to fast? You'll know it because it's the first thing you're going to say, I'm not going to do it. What is that thing in your life that God wants to reveal to you that it's been being the boss of you far too long? What's been ruling your life? Is it your TV? Is it your stomach? Is it the internet? Is it swear words? What is it, the thing in your life that you have been allowing to control you? God wants you to fast that thing. In Jesus' name, amen? Come on, here's what I want you to do. Get one of these on the way out. Join us together in the process of doing this again. And then come this Friday. This Friday, we're having three corporate prayer gatherings. These corporate prayer gatherings are so amazing. This first one, we're going to show you how to pray for each other. The next one, we're going to, different facets of prayer, but we're going to show you each week a little something different. There will be child care. It'll go from 7 to 8.30. We won't keep you long, so we'd love to have you here for that. Can I get you to stand to your feet? God bless you. Be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen.